Hey, podcast listener, are you working so hard you wonder if the money is even worth it? If you're like most CPAs I work with, you have way too much to do, you feel relentless deadline pressure, and worst of all, you feel torn between serving clients and being with family. What if I told you you could work a 40-hour week without losing a dime? I know it sounds impossible, but my Down to 40 Hours CPA Mastermind is designed for CPAs just like you who want to get their lives back. Down to 40 Hours CPA Mastermind is launching soon. In it, you'll learn how to start getting your time back week by week, make your workload manageable while still bringing in plenty of revenue, what to put in your packages and how to price them, and so much more. Don't leave your future to chance. CPA Mastermind will get you on the same profitable path you've been searching for. With unlimited coaching, your success is guaranteed. Go to GeraldineCarter.com to learn more. Dates, times, pricing, it's all there. Welcome to the Smart Strategy for CPAs podcast, where I help you work less and make more. My name is Geraldine Carter. Most CPAs struggle with pricing. Some have moved to flat rate or subscription pricing, and some still bill by the hour. What they often struggle to understand is the full depth of the value they offer to their clients. And because they don't fully understand value, they're leaving Everest-sized mountains of money on the table, which means that they have to work a lot harder to compensate for the missed opportunity. Here today to talk with me about this problem and how pricing extends to your clients is my guest, Mark Stiving. Mark is a pricing educator and advisor and the host of the Impact Pricing Podcast. And he's the owner of Impact Pricing, where he teaches his clients how to win, keep, and grow customers to drive higher revenue. Mark Stiving, welcome to the Smart Strategy for CPAs podcast. Hey, thanks, Geraldine. This is going to be fun. I'm looking forward to it. Let's start with a slow pitch here. How did you become an expert in pricing? It started out when I was, let's say, 10 years old. I remember going to the grocery store with my mother, and I would see prices that ended in nine. And I was always curious, why do companies do this? Do they think we're stupid? Right? We, we can do the rounding up thing. So fast forward a bunch of years, I found myself at a doctoral program at UC Berkeley, and I'm playing with scanner panel data. Now, this is the data that companies collect when you use your loyalty card at the grocery store. And so I would know uh, what price you paid, what the competitive alternatives was, was it on an end dial display, was it advertised that week in the newspaper? And, and so I was able to do this mathematical modeling to figure out nine cents really does work. It's pretty cool. And I became so enamored with this concept of understanding how people use price to make decisions that that was just the beginning. And ever since then, I've done nothing but pricing. Well, maybe that's not quite true because I did start a couple companies, but I use pricing in there constantly. So now you work with business owners to help them understand pricing. And the vast majority of us in school probably didn't take a course on pricing and know very little about it when we set out. So when people are in the early phases of realizing they need to understand pricing, what are the most valuable concepts that business owners need to get their heads around first? There are two concepts that will dramatically change the profitability of any company when you start thinking about price. The first and most important one is to adopt value-based pricing. And value-based pricing simply means charge what your customers are willing to pay. It, it also means forget about cost plus pricing. Your costs really don't matter to your, to your price. Once you've adopted this concept of value-based pricing, the next concept that you really want to grasp that makes all the difference in the world is called price segmentation. 
And price segmentation means I get to charge different customers different prices. We see this in so many different industries, but price segmentation doesn't make sense if you're doing cost plus pricing. It only makes sense if we're doing value-based pricing or charging what our customers are willing to pay. Excellent. So let's dig into both of these. Let's start with value pricing because for a lot of people, it's still hard to get their heads around that before they even get to um, segmentation. So when a CPA is thinking about shifting out of hourly, which is effectively just cost plus, how do they begin to think about what their clients are willing to pay for a service when they've always just billed hourly for it? Whenever we're doing value-based pricing, what we're trying to do is put ourselves in the minds of the buyer and asking them, how are they making a decision? Your buyers aren't sitting there saying, gee, I'd rather pay a flat fee than an hourly fee. They're saying, am I going to hire this accountant or am I going to hire that accountant? Or am I going to hire the same accountant I had last year? These are the decisions they're making. And so we have to understand how are they making those decisions? Let's say that you're going to go out and approach a brand new client, one that you don't have today, and they've been paying their previous accountant on an hourly rate. And last year they overbilled or billed a whole ton of hours. And you walk in and say, look, I'm willing to give you a flat rate. Here's what my fee is going to be for whatever the service happens to be. Now we're asking ourselves, what decision is that buyer about to make? The buyer's likely going to say, I love the certainty of having a single price and I don't have to worry about the price going up if you bill too many hours. Uh, We're all on the same page. So that makes a ton of sense. But it isn't necessarily easy to go to someone that you've been billing hourly and suddenly say, hey, I want to switch you to a flat rate because that's not the decision they're trying to make. We want to put ourselves in their shoes. What's the decision they're making? Okay. So what is the decision that the person who is already a client and is being billed hourly making when the CPA comes to them and says, hey, let's get you on flat rate? Yeah. So what is the decision? They're trying to decide what's better for me. Why are you making me make this change? Right? Are you going to save me money? Or are you just trying to find a way to cost me more money? Uh, what are we really doing? What I would, if, if I were billing somebody hourly and I wanted to shift them to a flat rate, what I would probably do is put together three different packages of products. A good, we'll call it good, better, best, because I always teach good, better, best uh, to everybody. And I would walk in and say, look, you've been paying me this and this many hours, and here's really the rate, but I think it makes more sense if we can move you to one of these packages. And now we might be able to move them to a new business model of subscription instead of just the hourly rate that we've always been billing them. And what it looks like we're doing is a favor for our client. And in truth, it should be a favor for our client. We should be helping them out in some way. Yeah. And so in those packages, good, better, best, do you have, um, where would you put the price relative to say the average hourly rate that they had been paying? Would you make the middle package the sort of equivalent average or would you make the equivalent average the, the good or would you make it the best or how would you kind of, how would you position it? So this is just an off the cuff answer. I haven't done enough research to say this is really the right answer, but I think what I would probably do is make my good package slightly less than the total they paid me last year. I would make my better package slightly more than the total they paid me last year. And I would make my best package a lot more. And what that best package really does is it makes the better package look less expensive. It makes it look like we have tons of capabilities that they're not taking advantage of yet. And someday they might grow into that space. I don't expect to sell the best. I want that best package there as a marketing uh, message to say, we have tons of capabilities for you in the future. 
Got it. Okay. So you would put the sort of previous year's price, if you will, sandwich between good and better. So let's go over to having conversations with your clients about what they'd be willing to pay. So I think in a literal sense, most CPAs would have trouble imagining imagining themselves going to their client and saying, hey, we're doing this service. We've only been charging you X for it. What are you actually willing to pay for it? I'm guessing that's not how the conversation goes. How does it go? I am really guessing that's not how the conversation goes. <laughs> if it does go like that, it'll be the last conversation you have with that client. <laughs> yes, exactly. Um, there's actually a, a whole type of conversation called a value conversation, which is a really powerful way to figure out how much somebody's willing to pay for something. And the value conversation really goes about, can we identify what the key problems are or what the key results are that they're looking for from our services or our capabilities? And once we have those, those lists of results, we can prioritize those, which one's most important. And then there's a way to, accountants should be really good at this, walking their clients through the process that says, if we can get you this result, what's that worth to your company? And the result, you could take it as simple as employee satisfaction, right? I want my employees to be more satisfied. Well, great. How do you measure that? Well, I measure it on this employee survey that we do every year. And uh, okay, what do you have today? We have a seven. If we could get it to eight, what do you think that's worth to you? Now, I wouldn't even ask what's that worth to you. It's really more about what do you think happens when we move employee satisfaction from a seven to an eight? We get lower turnover. Excellent. Does that save you money when we have lower turnover? Oh, absolutely. What's it costing us per employee? How much lower turnover do you think we're going to be able to get? We can walk our clients through that whole conversation to figure out what the value of our products are to our clients. Now, many people can do this. It doesn't just have to be accountants. Anybody can do this. Okay. So you're really trying to get underneath the hood of what needles are you actually moving? You might be moving a couple of different ones. How much do you think you can move them? And if you can move those needles one or two ticks, what's the impact of that? And then try and at some point in that line of questioning, you'll be able to find something that you can quantify. Yes. And, and by the way, you know that your customers probably didn't say, oh, if I could move it from a se employee satisfaction from a seven to an eight, I'm going to save $100,000 a year. It takes us helping them figure that out. Yeah. And so you, it sounds like you're both in there together, thinking about it together, trying to figure out what it is that you're actually trying to accomplish and what the value of that is. Absolutely. My favorite thing, my favorite concept behind a value conversation is we as a, as a vendor, as a salesperson, I have absolutely no idea how much value my customer is really going to get from my product. And on the other hand, the customer really doesn't know my product or my service well enough to know how much value they're going to get. It really takes the two of us working together to define that value. This isn't about being tricky or you know, trying to convince them that we're worth something we're not. It's really about trying to discover how much value are we delivering to that client. Okay, great. So I want to talk about the value that CPAs provide that is really buried underneath the sort of visible level of the work that they do. And I want to get here by way of a story that happened to me recently. And I thought, oh, this will be a great story for the podcast. And that is that recently I went home and we just bought a new house. And we, the house that we moved into was built by a gentleman from Southern California and it was his summer home and he only visited in the summertime. And apparently it turns out that some people from Southern California, understandably, don't know a lot about insulation. And 
we wake up every morning and it's five degrees, it's cold, it's helpful to have the house insulated for a variety of reasons. Um, at any rate, one day I came home and the house was a total mess. And I was like, what is going on here? And I kind of got all up in my husband's business. And I, and I looked at him and I was like, what, what, what have you been doing? And he was covered in cobwebs and dryer lint. And he said, did you notice that the blue board is no longer on the deck? And I said, no. He said, yeah, I've been down in the crawl space insulating for the last four hours, hanging out with the desiccated squirrels. And I was like, oh, that's really valuable. I'm really glad you did that. But if he hadn't told me that he had done that, I never would have known. And the value of having insulated the crawl space is, you know, that the heating bills are lower in the winter, that the floor is more comfortable, but more importantly, that we avoid freezing pipes and the cost and time that is required to deal with frozen pipes, which are a mess if you've never, if you don't know, if you've never had that experience. CPAs do a lot of work that is in the crawl space that their clients really either don't see, don't understand, don't get. But CPAs, I think, don't tell their clients about what's going on because a lot of it's complex. It involves a lot of jargon. It's hard to get your brain around to a degree. The client doesn't really care. They're just, you know, just take care of it. So how do you, and yet there's enormous value in there. So how as a CPA do you communicate to your clients some of the hidden value of what you're doing? Yeah, this is hard because in the end, value, when I define value, I define it simply as what's a customer willing to pay. And if a customer doesn't know about something, they don't value it, they're not going to pay us anything for it. We have to find a way to communicate this to our clients. In the world of subscriptions or recurring revenue, there's a really interesting concept, which, which gives us some insight here. And that is before customers buy or when they're going to hire a CPA for the first time, they're buying based on perceived value because they have no idea what the actual value is going to be. So what do I think I'm going to get when I hire you? And then after I've worked with you for a year, ideally we can get more closer to what's the real value. How much value are you delivering? If I were in the CPA shoes and I were doing things like cleaning out the crawl space or, or, uh, or insulating the crawl space, I would be making sure I communicated that to my clients because what we're doing is we're establishing real value. And next year, they're not going to fire me. They're not going to go find a new accountant. In fact, maybe if I raise my prices for whatever reason, they're going to like me more or trust me more and think that it's okay, that I'm worth it, and they'll stick with me. So our job, once we have a customer, is to make sure that they get real value and that they know that they got real value. Okay. So in specific terms, would you say to them, look, also, just so you know, there were these other things that came up. We took care of them because that's what we do here. If we hadn't, the risk is that you could have faced an audit. An audit is 500 hours worth of distracting time, energy, and stress. And if they found, if the IRS found something that was amiss, you could have faced fines on the order of X tens of or hundreds of thousands of dollars, but you're good. We took care of it. How would you think about communicating that information? Yeah, I think I would absolutely do something similar to what you just said. However, I probably wouldn't do it as a chest pounding. Hey, let me tell you how good I am type thing. Yeah. It's really more of a, let me tell you what I did yesterday and then, or what I found. 
And then it wouldn't hurt to have a write-up, a one-pager that says people with this problem often face these issues. And so I could just say, hey, I solved this for you yesterday here. If you want to look more, more into it, go ahead. And so it's more of a nonchalant, I'm giving you service. I'm doing the best I can for you. And I'm not trying to be braggadocious. I just want you to see what it is that I've, that I've done for you. Okay. Great. So let's go over to price segmentation because I think that some people initially are uncomfortable with the idea that they might charge different clients different prices for the same outcomes. We know that as buyers, we're comfortable with this because we sit on airplanes and the person next to us probably paid a different price for the very same seat to the same airport. But as business owners, that it feels somehow sneaky to charge people different prices for the same thing. So shine some light on price segmentation for us and how to do it well without feeling weird about it. I think those are two different questions, how to do it well and how to not feel weird about it. (laughs) (laughs) Yes, they are. (laughs) So how to do it well, um, what I would highly recommend is list out 10, 20 different customer names. And then to the best of your ability, say, how much do I think they would be willing to pay me if I did this service for them, whatever that product or service happens to be. And there's going to be a range. And then I would look at those and say, what is similar about the ones who paid me more? And so what could be similar is the industry that they're in. It could be the timeliness of when they have to have things done. It could be the types of products that they sell. I have no idea, but what's similar? And then we could find ways to say, look, I charge people in this industry this price. Now, I don't have to advertise the fact that I charge people in this industry this price and people in a different industry a different price. That's just the price I give when someone from that industry comes to me and says, hey, how much do you charge? Oh, this is what I charge. And so we can do that with anything, right? Whether it's a product, a service, we're trying to figure out what types of customers are willing to pay us different amounts. And then we'll figure out what are the mechanisms to get them to pay us those different amounts. Now, the second question is, how do I not feel weird about it? And step one is get over it, right? It's, it's no two customers are getting the exact same thing. They're getting different outcomes. They're getting different amounts of value from your products and your services. Why should they all be paying the exact same thing? The only reason you could justify paying the same thing is if you were saying, hey, I'm a cost plus person. It costs me the same to deliver it. So I shouldn't be charging different prices. But if we're not cost plus, if we're truly trying to price based on value, why wouldn't I charge based on how, what the outcomes, what the expected outcomes are, not the real outcomes? I was listening to one of your episodes earlier today, and it was about keeping things simple, right? The temptation can be to offer this menu pricing plus five different options and so on and so forth. And you just have an explosion of complexity and then your buyer is confused and they don't make a buying choice. In the interest of keeping things simple for our listeners, when it comes to price segmentation, how can they get started offering different segments of their customer base, different prices for the same thing, while keeping it simple? The complexity in pricing often happens when we try to create too many options for our products, too many versions of our products. And then we put out price lists, which are pretty complicated for people to understand and try to piece everything together. You can do price segmentation without any of that. 
I could just look at you and say, look, you're in the medical industry. I'm going to charge you, you know, 50% more than I charge someone in the consumer goods industry. And, and I didn't have to put out a price list. I just know that that's the quote I gave when you called me and asked me for a price. That is super simple. Now, what happens is the more segmentation you do. So let's say that I'm going to do industry and then I'm going to do the size of the company and then I'm going to do the region of the world. And then I'm going to do, right, the more segmentation you do, the more granular you get at capturing value, but the more complicated it gets for you to execute your own price segmentation strategies. What I would recommend is think about where the, the low-hanging fruit is. Add one piece of price segmentation, gain from that, because you will gain from that. And then if everything's simple and running smoothly, then we can look at, hey, let's do something else. Let's add a different piece of price segmentation. Now, you alluded to it, and it's absolutely true. You can use your products for price segmentation as well. There's a whole trick to keeping that simple. I'm happy to chat about it if you want. Let's, I love the offer. We might have to have you back. <laughs> <laughs> Let's go over to the work that you're doing for the Washington State Society CPAs, teaching their CPAs, or the members, if you will, how to help their clients with pricing in those clients' businesses. So step removed, right? We're no longer talking about CPAs pricing in their own business. We're talking about CPAs helping their clients with pricing. Because pricing is the, at least as I see it, the single most powerful and fastest way to increase your profits in your business, it seems to me that you would want to do the very same thing, meaning evaluate your pricing, adjust it, for your clients and yet my guess would be that the vast majority of CPAs are not touching pricing on their client's behalf. So how are you going to help CPAs help their clients with pricing? It has a lot to do with how we're having these types of conversations. I think the biggest problem that CPAs have today is if they're still charging hourly because they have this cost plus mentality, it's absolutely impossible for them to go help their clients because they haven't even figured out how to price their own products yet, their own services yet. My thought is if an, a CPA has the ability to be a trusted advisor to their clients and say, look, you're doing cost plus pricing. We all know that's not the right approach. We ought to be doing something around value-based pricing. Then does a CPA have the ability to describe what does value actually mean? How might we go find value? My thought is to help the CPAs at least get that initial conversation going. I want them to be able to do that. And then with any luck, um, they'll learn how to do the pricing coaching over time. And if they want, they can bring me in to help them out in the short term. So I'm imagining a CPA who has a full smattering of types of clients. They probably have a few in construction and trades. They probably have some professional services folks. They might have some random person in manufacturing. They might have some kind of pharmaceutical business and then a pharmaceutical salesperson. And then they've got, you know, a random church and a 501c3 over there. Those are a lot of different business models. And pricing, understanding how to do pricing well is already pretty involved. So where would you start with your CPAs who have a client roster of say 500 clients in a variety of different industries? How are they gonna move through those different industries, those different business models and implement real change alongside their clients when it comes to pricing? 
if I had a listing of clients and said, these are the people that I could go serve and I could go talk to about pricing, I would be looking for where do I think I could have the biggest impact on my customer? Where do I think I could have the biggest profitable change? And so to me, those would be any industry, this is a no brainer, any industry or customer who isn't in a super competitive market, but is using cost plus pricing. That is just so easy to say, look, there's a ton of profit that we're leaving on the table right now. How do you identify if you don't have a lot of competition in your marketplace? If I were a CPA trying to find out, are my, do my clients have a lot of competition? I would ask them, right? Um, one of the words you can use, and I hate this word, hate it, but ask them, uh, do people see your product as a commodity? In fact, one of the things I often talk to companies about is stop being a commodity because you're not. If the salespeople or people inside my company think we're a commodity, that probably means we have a lot of competition. Okay. Got it. So if the answer is no, I'm not thought of as a commodity, then the CPA says to themselves, okay, they don't have a lot of competition potentially. Let's dig a little further and see if there's room to go up in pricing. Yeah. I think that makes a lot of sense. Okay. I, by the way, I'd never thought of the answer to that question. So don't hold it, you know, don't, <laughs> don't hold it to me yet, but, uh, but I could defend it. I think we're going to call you back in six months. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> <laughs> so I like real boots on the ground, practical advice, right? Because it's really easy to get a lot of theoretical advice, but at the end of the day, you've got to make decisions and changes in your business. And you've got to have conversations with your clients that you might be uncomfortable having. So, and people want to set themselves up to have successful outcomes. So I want to, I want to stay with this. How do CPAs help their clients with pricing? Because I think there's enormous opportunity here, right? What business owner has anybody else on their side in their camp who can speak with any amount of authority about pricing? Probably nobody. The CPA is the only one. I'm just imagining a CPA going down their client roster that's sorted in descending order by, you know, mo like most valuable client and going through those one by one and saying to themselves, can I help this client with pricing? Yes, no, maybe. There's gotta be more in there than just, does that client view themselves as a commodity? The easiest way for a client, maybe not easy, but most effective way for a CPA to figure out which of their clients are have the most opportunity for pricing is to clearly understand a concept called will I and which one. And so will I and which one is a way that I think about pricing all the time. In fact, it's the first question I always ask myself whenever I'm helping somebody with a pricing problem. Will I is, will I buy something in the product category? So am I going to buy something? And then the second question is, okay, once I say yes, am I going to buy something? Then I'm saying, okay, which one am I going to go buy? And sometimes people don't go on to make a which one decision. They only make the will I decision. What's phenomenal about that is when people only make a will I decision, they're not as price sensitive. Now, could you go through your roster and say, which of my clients have products where customers aren't making a which one decision? They're only making a will I decision. So let me give you some examples of those types of products or situations. Uh, my my all-time favorite example is popcorn at the movie theater, right? You walk into the movie theater and then you ask yourself, am I going to have popcorn today or not? It isn't which popcorn, right? You, you can't go to the store and buy popcorn. 
I'm just going to buy it there or not. And so therefore it's ridiculously expensive. Gas in the middle of the desert, right? You got to buy gas if you're running out of gas. So it's usually four times the price of what it is in the city. And that's just the way it is. Um, an Apple iPhone. My guess is if you're using an iPhone today, you're thinking to yourself, do I want to upgrade to the next version of iPhone or not? But what you're not thinking is, do I want to upgrade to the next version of iPhone or switch to Android? So you're just making a will I decision. So Apple phones are much more expensive than any Android type phone, a Samsung phone. There are many examples like this. And in a lot of companies, we offer add-ons, we offer accessories. And these add-ons and accessories are often will-I products because customers can't go buy them from someplace else. In fact, let's even tie this directly to a CPA firm. Once I have your business in tax or some other area, it's, it's very likely you're going to hire me for something else. And so you're much more likely to be making a will-I decision, your client is, than saying, I'm going to hire you or somebody else. You're already in my books. You already have my books. I'm just going to hire you. Let's go do it. So people are less price sensitive. Okay. So I'm imagining a CPA listening and kind of mentally spinning through their Rolodex of clients trying to pick out the first three to five that they might think would be prime candidates for a conversation about their own prices. It feels a step, it feels quite extrapolated for the CPA to say to themselves, you know, with this new will I or which one price uh, decision making rubric for them to go through their client roster and say, is that client selling a will I product or a which one product? So can you help us lay on this plane a little bit? It was actually a different way of asking the previous question. And that is, is there competition or not? How much do we not have competition? I, I think what you're struggling with on this conversation, which makes all the sense in the world, is how well do our CPAs know their clients' businesses? Do I just know how to put the numbers in place and I've got a bookkeeper and I put them in accounts and that I'm done? In, in which case, it's probably pretty hard for them to say, yeah, I get it. I'm going to go help them with pricing or, or anything else for that matter. But if we have CPAs who are willing to truly understand their clients' businesses, then they have the ability to answer these questions. Maybe a different way to answer the question on which companies should a CPA go help would be what accounts or what industries are you comfortable with? What industries are you familiar with? So if you're selling to an industry that's um, computer security, which is complicated as heck, you're thinking, no, I'm not touching that. Leave it alone. But we're in the construction industry. That's pretty simple. I get it. We have hard costs and we're trying to win bids. And, and maybe I can help those people because I understand that business better. Okay. That seems a little bit more attainable. Start with what you already know. And listeners of this podcast know that I strongly recommend narrowing and niching so that you can get to know that business, that industry, and its challenges and where the values and so on. So last few questions here. Wait, no. don't ask yet. Oh. <laughs> don't ask yet. Because what you just said was absolutely brilliant, right? Narrow and niche. And if you're truly narrowing and niching into an industry, into a specific segment, you can understand their businesses. You can then add value. You learn to add pricing value to one client and you learned a lot for all your clients, for a ton of different customers. So that was brilliant. 
it's nice to hear someone else say it other than me because they're probably listeners are probably bored of hearing me say it. <laughs> <laughs> so if a CPA is listening to this right now and they're thinking, okay, you just opened up a bunch of cans of worms on reevaluating my own pricing and my value and customer segmentation and getting meta and doing it for my clients, where do you suggest they start? I would always suggest they start small, right? Start the easy path. First off, have you adopted value-based pricing for your own company? If you can't do value-based pricing for yourself, then it's really hard to do it for your customers. Now, maybe you can identify the fact that they have an opportunity in pricing, that they're not charging for the value, and you could bring in an expert, someone that can help you out with that. But if you can't do it for your own company, it's really hard for you to be the expert to do it for somebody else. That doesn't mean that we can't bring in someone to help. Once you've adopted it and done it for yourself, then I think the best answer is going to be find, a, find an industry, find a company that you understand their business relatively well, and see if you can come up with a single recommendation, a single way to say, let's go look at the value of your products. If you can learn to have value conversations, like we talked about earlier on the podcast, if you can learn to have value conversations with your own clients, could you learn to have value conversations with your clients' customers? Or could you learn to coach them to have a value conversation with their customers? And what we're doing now is just discovering value. We're not changing prices. We're not doing anything risky other than making sure our clients understand the value of their products. Got it. Love it. So last question here for CPAs who become much better at pricing and all things pricing, what does the future hold for them when they do? I think there's a phenomenal opportunity for um, pricing people, whether it's a CPA or not, uh, pricing is actually gaining, um, what's the word, favor, I guess, in a lot of big companies. Small companies are almost all clueless about it. They really don't understand what's going on. For a CPA or a trusted advisor to actually be able to help them with pricing, I think you'll be able to A, win new clients because you have services that people don't offer. And B, over time, these should be things that you could charge for. It gets you more ingrained with the client and you're less likely to have clients churn out, I guess would be the word I would use, but uh, it's going to help your retention. Excellent. All good reasons to learn how to nail pricing for yourself and for your clients. Mark Stiving, thank you so much for coming on the Smart Strategy for CPAs podcast. Geraldine, it's been a lot of fun. Thanks for the hard, hard questions. Uh, anytime. It's my pleasure. <laughs> Thank you so much, Mark, for coming on the podcast. There's so much to think about when it comes to growing your business, from how do I organize my time to what fires am I putting out today to should I be on Instagram? This conversation brings me back once again to the importance of niching down and getting your pricing right. Focusing on those two things will have a dramatic impact on the profitability and ease of your accounting practice. Once you get your pricing right, you can then start thinking about helping your best clients with their pricing. If you want to learn more about Mark, you can check out his website, impactpricing.com. If you want to learn more about pricing, check out episodes 106 and 111 with Jonathan Stark. If you're ready to drop hourly billing so that you can build great relationships with your clients, but you're not sure where to start, Take my free five-day email course, Better Pricing Strategies for CPAs. It's free, it's easy to follow, and it's designed specifically for you, 
a CPA who has millions of things going on and just wants all of the pricing information distilled with a step-by-step of how to implement it in your practice. You can find it at my website, shethinksbigcoaching.com. It's free, and after five days, you will have a clear idea of how to transition off of the scourge that is hourly billing. All right, that's it from me. Have a great week. Hi again. Would you rather spend your weekends outside playing or at your desk? In Down to 40 Hours CPA Mastermind, we put an end to overworking while maintaining revenue. Go to GeraldineCarter.com to learn more. Dates, times, pricing, it's all there.